This is Islanders Award Winners, the podcast examining seasons in which New York Islander took home a major NHL award. I'm your host, Dan Saracini. In the next two episodes, we'll detail Dennis Potvin's back-to-back Norris Trophy wins in 1978 and 79 and his path from cocky young star to business-focused adult to team player. Lighthouse Hockey is SB Nation's home for New York Islanders news and discussion. You can find all of our podcasts, including our flagship show, Islanders Anxiety, and Weird Islanders the Podcast, by searching Islanders Anxiety in any podcasting app of your choice. At patreon.com slash islandersanxiety, you can subscribe monthly to receive ad-free episodes, bonus podcasts, and more. And as always, thank you for listening. And now, on to Dennis Potvin, Norris Trophy, 1978. I've been the leading scorer for four years, and people don't talk about that. I think in a lot of ways, I'm taken for granted. I know the only way I'm going to get publicity is for me to score a lot of goals or get a hell of a lot of points. So the question becomes, how important is that to me, and how important is that to the club? Well, obviously, it's not that important to me. If it happens, it happens. But the way we play on this team, it just isn't feasible. And I'm not about to interrupt an entire mechanism just so I can score some goals and get some publicity. Dennis Potvan 1977. In the beginning, the Islanders were terrible. Their reward for having one of the worst expansion seasons in NHL history was earning the right to draft standout junior defenseman Dennis Potvin first overall in 1973. From the time he was 14, Potvin was drawing comparisons to Bobby Orr, the offensive dynamo who remodeled what NHL defenses could and should be. Despite the relentless attempts by Canadiens general manager Sam Pollock to wrest the pick from the new guys and draft the Ottawa native himself, Islanders GM Bill Torrey selected Potvin to be his franchise's cornerstone blue line. Torrey would later say, quote, You'd have to have been a complete nincompoop not to know that Dennis Potvin would be an outstanding player. Instantaneously upon his arrival on Long Island, Potvin was the Islanders' unquestioned star. He led the team in scoring in his first NHL season and was awarded the Calder Trophy as the NHL's best rookie in 1973-74. Two years later, at the age of just 22, he became just the second defenseman in NHL history after Orr to score 30 goals in a season and was named the winner of his first Norris Trophy as the league's best defender. You can hear more about these campaigns in episodes from the first season of Islanders Award winners. But the ride was not a smooth one. Potvin had a tendency to alienate teammates, media, and fans with a distant, often aloof air about himself. During his rookie season, he missed a team bus to an away game and was publicly humbled and humiliated because of it. When he was on his way to his first Norris Trophy and putting together one of the best offensive seasons a defenseman had ever had, he experienced an immense amount of criticism. Every mistake was seen as catastrophic. Good plays and a perceived arrogance got him booed during road games. Bad plays and a perceived complacency got him booed by Islanders fans at home games. When he scored his 30th goal of the season and got a standing ovation at Nassau Coliseum, Potvin was so overwhelmed by the unexpected love that he came to tears on the bench. Potvin struggled with fitting in, despite being the Islanders' leading scorer for four straight seasons. He was a French-Canadian living in the United States. He was a crossword puzzle addicted, antique store shopping, museum going city lover, camping way out in the suburbs. He was a cerebral, curious intellectual surrounded by jocks and was one of the best players in his sport. 
He was quick to criticize his contemporaries, including his own teammates, and it wasn't always seen as constructive. While playing with Team Canada during the 1976 Canada Cup tournament, Potvin wrote a syndicated column that harshly disparaged coach Scotty Bowman, Bobby Orr, and fans in his own hometown. This made him a villain in a lot of people's eyes. While his plays helped the Islanders win a lot of games in both the regular season and the playoffs, Dennis Potvin's mouth and attitude often got him into a lot of trouble. One Montreal writer said after a game that, quote, one of the Canadians' goals had deflected into the net off of Dennis Potvin's inflated ego. Venerable columnist Red Fisher once wrote that Potvin was, quote, an insufferable crybaby. After winning the Norris Trophy in 1976, Potvin had a bumpy follow-up campaign. Even though he had had another fabulous season, with 25 goals and a team leading 80 points, he battled with internal and external conflict. He came clean about his struggles in an article with the New York Post, then laid out his feelings in a powerful locker room meeting with his teammates. The twin confessionals helped clear Potvin's mind and allowed him to reset himself after a whirlwind couple of years. He would finish third in Norris voting in 1977, behind winner Larry Robinson and runner-up Borja Salming. But there were more transformations ahead, and even more turbulence for Dennis Potvin and the New York Islanders. Dennis Potvin's 1977-78 season started with a notable off-ice move, the publishing of his memoir. Co-written with the hockey maven himself, Stan Fischler, Power on Ice was released prior to the season and includes Potvin telling stories about his youth, the importance of his family, his first seasons with the Islanders, and his many interests away from hockey. Of course, Denny being Denny, he couldn't help but pick apart the games of some of the sport's best players. He said that Larry Robinson, man who had unseated him for the Norris Trophy, was, quote, a fairly good hitter, who, quote, can't time his hits well enough to come after you. He categorized Bobby Orr as, quote, not a playmaker, but more of a finisher. He criticized Pete Mahovlich for never giving up the puck, and he seemed to prefer Atlanta Flames goalie Dan Bouchard over both Bernie Perrant and Ken Dryden. The book did little to dispel the notion that Dennis Potvin was a man who marched to his own drum. Also outlined in the book is how he became a partner in a marketing firm. In the summer of 1976, People and Properties, located on 3rd Avenue in New York City, brought the NHL All-Star on board, giving him an office with a plaque on the door reading Dennis Potvin LTD. Already planning what vocations he would have after his hockey career was over, Potvin chose marketing because he wanted to hobnob with movers and shakers all over Manhattan and because he found the rat race to be to his comfort level. For him, it wasn't just about slapping his famous name on a door and putting his feet up on the desk. He wrote in Power on Ice, quote, I want very much to go out and meet all kinds of people, not just hockey people. I want to have my own office, sit behind a desk, and be a big businessman in my own right. A friend of People and Properties even suggested he write the book. Potvin wasn't trying to check out of hockey. There was still a lot of time left for him. He was just looking for a measure of security for when his playing career was over. He didn't want to do what most athletes did, which was scramble for a new direction when they were already in their 30s and on the brink of retirement. He wanted to know his next steps, even in his early 20s. For now, he had another season to play for the New York Islanders. The team had made three straight trips to the NHL semifinals and was widely seen as a serious Stanley Cup contender. They had a young center named Brian Trottier, who, like Potvin, had won the Calder Trophy after a spectacular rookie season. Trottier's wingers were Clark Gillies and Billy Harris, two of the NHL's most productive young players. They had Billy Smith and Glenn Chico Resch, 
one of the very best goaltending tandems in the sport. They had a demanding, innovative coach in Al Arbor. And of course, they had Dennis Potvin, just days shy of turning 24, leading everything from the blue line. Newsday's 1977-78 season preview said that, quote, as goes Potvin, so go the Islanders. Dennis was the engine that drove one of the NHL's top teams. At training camp 1977, the Islanders made a couple of important changes. One was that they had elected a new captain. Some players weren't happy with inaugural captain Ed Westfall and worked to get him to basically relinquish the position in favor of a younger voice. The vote for the new captain hadn't sat well with a few players, including Clark Gillies, who won the contest by a single vote over Trottier. They also added a turbocharger to their well-oiled machine. Mike Bossy was a skinny, quiet kid from Laval, Quebec, who had lit up the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, scoring over 300 goals in four seasons. But his unwillingness to fight and perceived defensive liabilities caused him to drop in the draft and right into the Islanders' laps. For a team looking to add a big-time scorer, Bossy was like a gift from the hockey gods. Upon first meeting Dennis Potvin, Bossy was struck by just how differently he carried himself. He wrote of Potvin in his 1987 book Boss, quote, He intimidated me because he didn't look or talk like a hockey player. He sounded like a businessman. I was envious that whole first year of how well he spoke and conducted himself with the press and the public. By this point, Dennis Potvin was more than just a hockey player. He was a brand. Dennis Potvin LTD wasn't just a sign on a door in Manhattan. It was his entire ethos. If Dennis Potvin was a business, he knew that it was time to start expanding. But maybe not yet. The Islanders got off to an extremely mediocre start in 77, going 6-5-3 in their first 15 games. While Bossy was scoring goals in bunches, putting up nine in that time span, his new team was also giving them up in bunches as well. The lowest point was a 5-1 loss in Montreal on November 10th that left players unable to articulate exactly what went wrong. Al Arbor tried changing his lines, but the result was the same. It had been a month of uninspired play from a team that should have had every reason in the world to make a statement that they were for real. Arbor was quoted as calling his players, quote, a bunch of babies. Stalwart center Lorne Henning, who was benched for the Montreal game, said that Arbor was, quote, grasping and presided over a team meeting that aired out several people's grievances. When told that some of his players had expressed a lack of motivation this early in the season, Arbor derisively told Sports Illustrated's Peter Gammons, quote, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? And caught in the crosshairs was Dennis Potvin, who had not been playing up to his usual standard. He had scored only twice in those 15 games, including in the team's season-opening loss in Buffalo, and picked up 10 assists. Not terrible numbers, just not dominant ones. As Gammons wrote in SI on November 11, 1978, quote, Defenseman Dennis Potvin had not been a commanding figure in any game this season, and the question on Long Island was, when will Dennis show up? Potvin had his own theory as to what was wrong with the Islanders. He was on the ice for four goals against in a 5-3 loss to Boston on November 6th and lamented afterwards, quote, I remember how we used to battle. In the first period, we could scare a team very badly. Instead, we're letting them stay in the game. Teams used to be damn scared of us. Now we give them reasons to be confident. They don't play scared against us. He had two assists and a 4-4 tie with the Flyers on November 17th which the Islanders gave up four goals in the third to blow a three-goal lead, then tied the score with 10 seconds to go. When asked to explain just how the hell that game ended that way, Potvin said, quote, Don't ask me what happened because I couldn't tell you. I'm not sure myself. 
The game might have been a ball of confusion, but it was indicative of the twisty season they had had so far. After that tie, things started to turn around. They won 11 of their next 15 and 13 of 19, with two more ties thrown in. The Islanders had found their rhythm, but Dennis Potvin was still searching for his. He had a respectable 18 points in those 19 games on 5 goals and 13 assists. While his counting numbers weren't eye-popping, he could still dominate, like putting up 2 goals and an assist in a 7-2 route over St. Louis on December 4th, which snapped a personal 11-game goalless draft. Two weeks later, in another win over the Blues, the defenseman picked up a goal and an assist, then had a goal and two assists in a 7-5 loss in Montreal the next night. Against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs, the Islanders gave up six goals through two periods, then scored four in the third to make things look respectable. Afterward, Arbor described the entire performance as, quote, extremely flat. The loss made them 18-8-8, a mushy record for a team still finding itself. Compared to the 22-7-4 Canadians, or the 22-6-4 Philadelphia Flyers, who led the Patrick division by four points over them, the Islanders were simply a step behind. But that Christmas, the Potvan family had a reason to be happy. A baby girl was welcomed into the world on December 24, 1977, by Lorraine and Jean Potvan, Dennis's brother and fellow Islanders defenseman. Jean had been acquired by Bill Torrey midway through the Islanders' disastrous expansion season, with the idea that he would have a chance to take Dennis first overall at the next draft. The plan worked, and Jean was integral in helping his younger brother acclimate to the NHL. Dennis relished playing with Jean on the same team for the first time since they were kids. He wrote in Power on Ice about the nervousness he felt heading into his first NHL training camp in 1973, and that, quote, If all else failed, I knew I could go directly to Jean, as I always did when things got rough, and say, Okay, brother, what do we do now? More than anything, that removed the worries I might normally have had under the circumstances. Having Jean also helped Dennis integrate better with his teammates. He wrote, quote, Sometimes I have the feeling that if it weren't for my brothers being on the team, I would never go out when we're on the road. I just hold myself up in my room and read. But Jean wasn't just a hanger-on and a wingman. He had a 17-goal, 71-point season in 1975-76 and helped stabilize the Islanders' defense alongside Dennis under Al Arbor. The brothers even scored a combined five goals in a win over Detroit in 1976. Nicknamed Potsy, the always smiling Jean was a popular member of the Islanders' locker room. But as the Islanders got better, and players like Dave Lewis, Stefan Person, Pat Price started asserting themselves, Jean started finding his playing time less than guaranteed. There was a rumor at training camp in 1977 that Arbor was considering playing him at right wing, an assignment Jean would have reluctantly agreed to. In a Newsday article about people's favorite Christmas presents, Dennis Potvan joked that his was, quote, Two years ago, when Al gave us the day off. The superstar defenseman had a very special relationship with his coach. Arbor was a defenseman himself throughout the 50s and 60s, playing a staunch brand of stay-at-home defense, all while wearing glasses. He might have been a completely different kind of player, but he understood how to get the best out of Potvan. He challenged the young man and pushed him harder than he did most other Islanders. Not only did Arbor know that Potvan could take the punishment, he knew that a player like Dennis needed to be kept engaged and sometimes enraged if he was going to be at his best. Years later, Arbor's wife Claire, who was just as tuned in with the team as her husband was, said that Al would, quote, get Dennis almost angry at times, and Dennis would go out there and play his extreme best because he'd be, quote, getting back at Al. 
The Islanders closed the calendar year of 1977 with wins over Vancouver and Los Angeles, and yet another loss to Montreal. Against the Canucks, Dennis Potvin scored just his seventh goal of the season. He also picked up a single assist against the Kings, giving him 35 points in 36 games, a very modest number by his standards. Arbor said he was proud of his team for the gutty game against LA, in which they rallied from a 2-0 deficit to win 4-3. But a 4-2 home loss to the Habs on New Year's Eve was a disappointing end to what had been a less-than-perfect year. Maybe it was the feeling of closure, or the spirit of the holidays, or a collective New Year's resolution. But the Islanders came out of their mini-break and went on another tear, winning 12 of their next 14 games straight through January. They won six in a row in the middle of the month, with blowouts over the Flyers, Rangers, and Capitals. And leading the way was Dennis Potvin, who had nine goals and 14 assists for 23 points in those 14 games. After getting a goal and an assist in a 4-1 win against Vancouver on January 3rd, even the Canucks were singing his praises. New arrival Pitt Martin said of Potvin, quote, He's accomplishing more now than he was when he was leading the team in scoring. His overall game has improved. He's more of a team player now. The change has been really beneficial to the club, I'm sure. This was the kind of power that was expected of Dennis Potvin. But to achieve it, the defenseman had to change as a person and a player. With the emergence of bossy Trottier Gillies as the, quote, trio grande line, Potvin no longer needed to be leaned on to lead the Islanders in both offense and defense. And being fourth on the team in scoring for the first time was not an issue for him. He told Newsday's Tim Moriarty, quote, When I was leading the team in scoring, I always felt I had to pick up the slack. Now I don't have to be as offensive-minded, and that allows me to pick my spots. Moriarty also noted that Potvin had earned a new nickname. He had been christened Baby Bear by Ed Westfall as a half-derisive nod to both his physical strength and the way he liked to be pampered. The moniker never really caught on outside of the Islanders' locker room. Ironically, it was Rangers general manager John Ferguson who thought of a better name that would describe Potvin's many gifts. The Navigator. Two days after that standout performance against Vancouver, Potvin helped navigate the Islanders past a team from Pardubice in the Czech Republic. The reigning Ice Hockey World Championship winners were on a tour across the U.S. and lost to the Islanders 8-3 at Nassau Coliseum. Potvin had an assist on Brian Trottier's first period goal. He followed that up with two goals and a 5-3 win over the hapless Cleveland Barons on January 7th, his 9th and 10th scores of the season. But the win and Potvin's performance were nearly forgotten a day later, when Bill Torrey made a trade with those same Cleveland Barons that would shake the Islanders' locker room to its core. After the break, we'll look at that deal, how it affected Dennis Potvin, and how he managed to get past it to continue to dominate all other NHL defensemen. On January 10th, 1978, the Islanders acquired center Wayne Merrick and defenseman Darcy Regeer from the Cleveland Barons for playoff hero J.P. Parisi and defenseman Jean Potvin. The trade of two popular players, not to mention their best defenseman's older brother, sent a 10,000-volt jolt through the Islanders' locker room. Bob Bourne said the whole team was shocked. Chico Resch lamented that the Islanders, usually so conservative in changes, had probably entered a phase where no one was safe. The deal between the clubs had been rumored for days, with the Islanders focusing on the versatile Merrick as their third-line center. Jean Potvin's inclusion wasn't known previously, but the team's surplus of defensemen and his very modest production that season made the 28-year-old a logical choice, despite his familial ties. Dennis Potvin would say later that, quote, 
I walked into the dressing room and I looked at him. His eyes were glassy and his face was white. And I said, what the hell's wrong? He said, I'm gone. It was a hell of a blow. Tori said that Dennis's feelings were a consideration before he pulled the trigger on the trade, but ultimately it was about making the Islanders better. Dennis admitted to having overwhelming emotions that he didn't know how long they would last. Jean was more than just a roommate and a deep partner to his younger sibling. Dennis told Newsday, quote, I can't question the club's decision. I just think of what Jean meant to me. My first season, he was a comfort to me. He was always by my side, and that will be a loss. Making matters worse was that Jean and his wife Lorraine now had a new baby to consider as well. After a 7-4 win in Colorado, in which Dennis scored goal number 11 on the season, the Islanders had a game in Cleveland against Jean Potvin, J.P. Parisi, and the Barons on January 11th. And the Islanders lost 5-3 in an intermittently awkward affair. Neither ex-Islander scored, and Dennis collected two assists while admitting to needing to adjust his eyes to reality. Quote, I kept wanting to yell, skate, Potsy, skate. Then after a few minutes, I was all right. Eventually, everyone would settle into their roles, and Dennis reflected on how fortunate the brothers had been to get to play together. Quote, It hurt when John was traded, but by then, I think I had developed on my own enough that I could accept what happened. There could never be a better feeling than playing on a team with your brother and succeeding. But John and I both realized that it couldn't last forever. We had to take the trade like men. Making the trade a little easier to take was that Merrick was both the center the Islanders needed and a friend of Potvin's from their junior days with the OHL's Ottawa 67s. Potvin even gave Merrick his nickname of Bone for reasons unknown. Jean Potvin admitted to not quite knowing how to feel immediately after the deal and said that playing with the Islanders was, quote, the best five years of my life. After a time, he said he looked forward to helping the Barons rise in the standings and in confidence just like the Islanders had. Sadly, that wouldn't happen. The trade would also not be the last the Islanders would see of Jean Potvin. Check out our next episode for the rest of that story. After the dust had settled on the loss in Cleveland, Dennis Potvin continued his early year tear, netting five goals and 11 assists in his next 10 games, nine of which were Islanders' victories. After a 4-0 suffocation of the Capitals, rookie goalie Jim Bedard walked away defeated and impressed, saying, quote, it's devastating the way they make the power play work. They're always buzzing around the net. Potvin is like a general out there, and every one of them makes their shot count. Potvin, who scored his 12th goal of the season in the shutout, looked at the game as the kind the Islanders needed to play to be successful, saying, quote, From now on, no more 8-7 or 7-6 games where we hope to end up on top. We have to sustain this type of game and keep in the groove to the end of the regular season. The hot streak had helped the club close the gap on the Flyers, and a 6-1 win over Philly on January 21st gave them a share of first place. Each team was 27-10-8 for 62 points. Mike Bossy scored his 30th goal of the season, and Potvin picked up two more helpers. Dennis led all defensemen in scoring with 47 points. It had taken over half the season, but the Islanders were finally operating at full capacity and looked again like a serious Stanley Cup contender. Five Islanders took a break from tearing up individual teams to play in the 1978 NHL All-Star Game. Dennis Potvin, Mike Bossy, Clark Gillies, Brian Trottier, and Billy Smith all played in the Campbell Conference's 3-2 overtime loss to the Wales Conference in Buffalo's Memorial Auditorium. The opening face-off saw Buffalo's Gilles Perrault matched against the Islanders' Brian Trottier. 
The visiting Campbell Conference was buoyed by the great goaltending of Islanders' Billy Smith. But it was the Flyers' Bill Barber who opened the scoring, beating Ken Dryden with an unassisted goal at the 125 mark. Dennis Potvan's fifth goal in all-star competition gave the Campbell Conference a 2-0 lead. It was still 2-0 when the teams made their traditional goalie change at the midway point of the game. The Flyers' Wayne Stevenson replaced Billy Smith, and Rogie Vachon of the Los Angeles Kings replaced Ken Dryden. Despite being on the losing end of the score, Smith was named the game's MVP and won a car. Potvan scored a first-period goal, assisted on by Gillies. But the defenseman's big concern was that teammate Jerry Hart wasn't selected by Flyers coach Fred Shiro for the squad, another sign that the baby bear was learning to appreciate his teammates more. The Islanders returned from the All-Star break and picked up where they left off, beating Toronto 4-2 on January 26th. Dennis Potvin had a goal and an assist, and Billy Smith had a stick-swinging fight with Maple Leafs agitator Dave Tiger-Williams. Potvin, whose 14th goal of the season was the game-winner, credited Smith with sparking the Islanders to a win. Quote, When he did what he did tonight, it lets everyone know that Smitty is in the game, and you want to fight that much harder for him. He gets aggressive, and now everybody is in the game. The chippy contest would foreshadow events that would take place in the Islanders' future, but we'll get to that. In two games against the Rangers in the span of a week, the Islanders won 6-3 and 7-6. Dennis Potvin had a combined six points. He scored goal number 15 and added two assists in the first game, then had three helpers in the second. The 7-6 win on February 1st might have been a mess and included a multiplayer brawl, but it kept the Islanders rolling and ahead of Philadelphia in the standings. Potvin followed up those performances with a goal and an assist in a 5-2 win at Atlanta, in which his new defensive partner, rookie Bob Lorimer, scored his first NHL goal after an injury-plagued campaign in the minors. Perhaps Potvin's best singular game was on February 11, 1978, when he scored a hat-trick and five total points in an 8-5 win over Detroit. All were scored against goalie Ron Lowe, who Potvin victimized twice in the second period and once in the third. Oddly, only one hat hit the ice after his third goal, but that might have been because the game was a painful one for the Islanders. Already without Mike Bossy and defenseman Dave Lewis due to injury, the Islanders also lost new center Wayne Merrick to a nasty concussion in the first period. The victory and sole position of first place were paramount, but the cracks were beginning to form in the Islanders' otherwise solid foundation. From mid-February through the end of the regular season schedule, the Islanders would not win more than three games in a row. Every win or pair of wins was followed by either a tie or a loss, driving Al Arbor to distraction. He called out his charges for playing, quote, cement head hockey, after a 2-2 tie in Cleveland on February 12th. After a 5-2 loss in Atlanta on March 18th, the coach said his players looked listless, and Lorne Henning noted that, quote, something is wrong. Even a six-game unbeaten streak of four wins and two ties was seen as a, quote, skid. They were in first place in the Patrick Division and second in the NHL, but were fighting tooth and nail to maintain those positions. Not only against teams like Montreal, Boston, and the chugging Philadelphia Flyers, but mainly against themselves. As Al Arbor said after yet another tie and blown lead against St. Louis, quote, this is getting to me. Throughout this period, Dennis Potvin continued to pile up points. He scored his 20th goal of the season in a 3-2 win over Los Angeles on Valentine's Day. 
It was the beginning of a run of six games in which he had four goals and eight assists. Two of those assists were on Bob Bourne goals scored 27 seconds apart in an unexpectedly difficult 5-4 win in Colorado. Pavan scored a goal each in two separate 3-3 ties against the Flames, with the second game featuring Mike Bossy's NHL rookie record time 45th goal of the season. Bossy's goal was his 19th on the power play, breaking Potvan's team record. Potvan had a goal and two assists and was on the ice for five goals for in a 7-1 blowout of Chicago on February 25th. By the end of February, Potvan was 6th in the NHL in scoring with 23 goals and 52 assists for 75 points. Trottier, Bossy, and Gillies were also among the top 10 in scoring. Potvan was first among all defensemen in scoring, with the next closest blue liner being Toronto's Borja Salming, whose 57 points trailed Potvan's total by 18. Basically, Dennis Potvan was a force of nature. But there were times when he could be off. Potvan was clowned by the NHL's leading scorer, Guy Lafleur, in a 2-1 loss in Montreal, crashing into goalie Chico Resch after the Flowers scored his 43rd goal of the year. There's certainly no shame in getting beaten by Guy Lafleur but letting Penguins puck hog Pete Mahovlich sneak behind you and score with 38 seconds left to complete a collapse that turned a 3-1 lead into a 3-3 tie against the fourth-place club was something else. Potvan took responsibility for misreading the play and covering the wrong man, but that wasn't going to get back a point lost due to what Al Arbor called, quote, a bad mental mistake. In that tie against the Blues, Potvan was a spectator as the puck bounced over defense partner Dave Lewis's stick and right to Kurt Bennett tied the game with less than two to go. Newsday listed all of the screw-ups during the Islanders' six-game unbeaten streak, saying that even the wins were, quote, unconvincing. But Potvin still put up points, despite the Islanders' intermittent struggles. He had five in two games, both wins against the Blues and Sabres in mid-March. He scored goals 25 and 26 against St. Louis, and added an assist on Mike Bossy's 48th. He scored again two nights later in Buffalo, and helped the Islanders complete a comeback by assisting on Ed Westfall's third-period goal. With a dozen games remaining in the regular season, Potvan had 83 points and was tied for fourth in the NHL in scoring with Buffalo's Gilles Perrault. The Islanders were still in first place in the Patrick Division with 96 points, but their sloppiness had allowed the Flyers to creep closer. What had been a nine-point lead just weeks earlier had become a four-point lead after a 4-2 loss in Philly on March 20th. Potvan scored his 28th goal of the season, Brian Trottier broke Potvan's team record by picking up his 68th assist. But the state of their team was very much in flux. Potvan said after that game, quote, I don't think anyone is going to get distraught over this, but we all have an idea of what's going on. Fellow defenseman Jerry Hart had a different solution. Quote, the character of this team has been to play well when we need to and stumble at the other times. Now we have to be desperate again. And I kind of like that. Desperate would be an accurate way to describe things. After a 6-2 win in Toronto, in which Potvan scored his 29th goal of the season, they tied Cleveland 4-4 in John Potvan and J.P. Parisi's return to Nassau Coliseum. The Islanders allowed the Barons to score three times in the third, and Parisi's goal with 2.15 remaining knotted things up. Al Arbor was so furious after the game that he ordered team officials to keep the locker room door closed, costing himself a $500 fine from the league. A team meeting was held. Meanwhile, down the hall, the two ex-Islanders had a lot to say. Parisi admitted to keeping frequent tabs on his old mates and said that playing against them still hurt. The good news was that, quote, I still got half a share of whatever bonus money the Islanders win in the playoffs. John Potvin said that the Islanders were essentially scared of playing, quote, that red, white, and blue machine up there in Montreal. 
To the elder pot van, the Islanders were, quote, still a very good team that doesn't beat all the teams it should beat, and that they needed more of a, quote, killer instinct. Right now, they just wanted points. They needed to rally from down 3-0 to beat Minnesota 6-3 at the Coliseum. Bobby Nystrom said a loss would have been a backbreaker. But Dennis Potvin was more philosophical, saying, quote, Maybe it's good to feel threatened. Let's just not carry it too far. The next game was definitely too far. A 5-1 loss at Madison Square Garden had one anonymous Islander telling Newsday, quote, We're in trouble. The game was a disaster for everyone, especially Dennis Potvin, who finished pointless and a minus three on the evening. He was burned by a goal by Phil Esposito after overskating the puck, which let Espo get not one but two shots on Chico Resch. The rebound try went in for what would end up being the game-winning goal. With the Flyers trailing them by five points with five games remaining, it was officially panic time. Fortunately, the Islanders had two patsies up next in the Capitals and Red Wings. They were down 2-1 entering the third against Washington, but Mike Bossy's 50th and 51st goals clinched the win. Potvan picked up three assists in the game. Next up was a thorough 5-2 win in Detroit, in which Brian Trotte scored his 45th goal of the season, thanks to an assist from Potvan. The four points set the Islanders up for a showdown at home against Philadelphia. A win in that game would clinch the division for the Isles. After beating the Red Wings, Potvan was full of bravado, saying publicly, quote, bring on the Flyers. But once again, there was a letdown, with the Islanders and Flyers playing to a 3-3 tie that would prolong the intrigue. But that was short-lived as well. 7-2 win over the Rangers on April 8th clinched the Islanders their first ever Patrick Division title. Champagne and cheers filled the Nassau Coliseum locker room as players and coaches, some of whom had been with the club since their very humble beginnings, were able to celebrate such a monumental achievement. For Dennis Potman, the journey had been profound and memorable. His first thought was of his rookie season of 1973-74, and he told the New York Times, quote, I remember beating Minnesota 4-1 in the last game of the season, then we all went home. Tonight, we won, and we're all going to the playoffs as the division champion. That's quite a difference. Their final game of the season, a 5-2 win in Boston, was academic and meaningful at the same time. Potvin and Bob Bourne both scored their 30th goals of the season, giving the Islanders six players to achieve that mark. It was Potvin's second 30-goal season, leaving him and Bobby Orr again as the only two NHL defensemen at the time to hit that number. With an additional 64 assists for 94 points, Potvin came in fifth in the NHL scoring race and first among all defensemen. Brad Park and Borja Salming were 15 and 18 points behind him, respectively. Potvin also finished second on the team in scoring, 29 points behind Brian Trottier's team-leading and team-record-setting 123 points. Rookie Mike Bossy finished with 91 points on 38 assists and an NHL record 53 goals. The Trio Grande line of Trottier, Bossy, and Clark Gillies compiled a crazy 299 points as a unit, running roughshod over the NHL throughout most of the season. It hadn't been a smooth ride, but the Islanders were by all accounts a true Stanley Cup contender heading into the 78 playoffs. And by winning the division, they bought themselves a bye directly into the quarterfinals against a good, but far from great, Toronto Maple Leafs team. Okay, look, if you've been listening to this series this entire time, you already know what happens next. I will try to minimize the damage as best I can through this section, but we're going to have to trot over some well-worn ground at least a little bit. In its preview of the playoff series, Newsday writer Pat Calabria called Potvan, quote, superior, and cited the improvement of his partner Dave Lewis. 
On the Leafs' side, Calabria called out Borja Salming's 60 assists and Ian Turnbull, a defenseman who had once scored five goals in a game. Turnbull was actually a friend of Potvin's, having played alongside him in junior. Calabria also spoke with J.P. Parisi, whose Barons hadn't made the playoffs, and who gave his insight from his North Shore home in Fort Salonga. Parisi now had a lot of experience playing both for and against the Islanders. He urged them to continue their dump and chase game and not to carry the puck too much, but he said the trio grande in the Islanders' power play would need to be contained by whoever played them. Quote, if you don't do that, the Islanders are too strong a team. Leafs coach Roger Nielsen had a different strategy in mind. He instructed his Leafs, who had beaten the LA Kings two games to none in the preliminary round, to batter and bash and slash and torment the Islanders physically as often as they could. Eventually, Nielsen figured the skilled Isles would start to wilt and wear down over the course of the series. The plan didn't work immediately, with the Islanders taking games one and two, the latter on an overtime goal by Mike Bossy, assisted on by Dennis Potvin. But by the time of game three in Toronto, the physical toll was beginning to show. The Leafs won that contest and game four with an increasing amount of penalties for hooking, charging, roughing, fighting, high-sticking, spearing, and everything else under the sun. Game four alone had a total of 30 infractions totaling 111 minutes between both clubs. The Islanders hated it, the writers hated it, fans probably hated it, but the Leafs were executing their plan perfectly. Potvin told Newsday after the Islanders' 4-1 loss in Game 4, quote, I'm a decent human being. I want to play hockey. If I was a fan and had to pay money to see this game, I wouldn't want to see one big fight. To that point, people had seen Dennis Potvin do precious little in the series. The NHL's leading scorer amongst defensemen and the Islanders' second-leading scorer overall had just two assists and didn't get his first goal of the series until Game 5 when he tied the score in the first period after his old pal Ian Turnbull had given the Leafs the early lead. To Trevor Johansson, who was given a bump. Hitler goes down. Gillies and Gretzky. That's the bossy. That shot was stopped. Here's another one. Score! Dennis Batman. The crowd is with the Islanders now. down to block, but here comes the rebound out to Dennis Potvin. He moves in quickly. His rising shot over the shoulder of Palmatier. Potvin, 13-39. Bossy missed the first chance as Lenny made a good sprawling stop. But they couldn't get back in time to stop Potvin's rising shot under the crossbar. The Islanders won Game 5 2-1 in overtime thanks to Bob Nystrom's game-winning goal. The shenanigans were dialed back a little, but both goalies, the equally diminutive Chico Resch for the Islanders and Mike Palmatier for the Leafs, were outstanding. Potvin gave them backhanded compliments afterwards, saying, quote, Those two bleeping pipsqueaks, they both look more like 6'4 and 250 pounds tonight. But Game 6 back in Maple Leaf Gardens was another Leafs win and featured another full-scale fracas. Injuries were now becoming an issue, too with Salming exiting the series due to an eye injury in Game 4, and Mike Bossy getting crushed in the corner by winger Jerry Butler in Game 6 and having to be removed from the ice via stretcher. The war had escalated off the ice, too. 
Dave Tiger Williams, the NHL's scariest and most unpredictable agitator, relentlessly insulted the Islanders to the media, calling them, among other things, crybabies and, quote, a bunch of fairies that don't like to get hit. And again, the more urbane Islanders were left confused. Potvin said he didn't understand Tiger's reasoning. Burt Marshall replied, does anyone understand Tiger? Meanwhile, Jerry Hart simply called Williams, quote, a victim of his own ignorance. The Game 6 loss set up a do-or-die Game 7 at Nassau Coliseum on April 29, 1978. Potvin scored again in the first period, giving the Islanders the lead about five minutes into the game. On left wing to center ice. In across the line to Trotje. He's checked. Now it's Gillis at the point. Fires it in front of the goal. Tiger Williams gets it for the Leafs. Skated off from the play by Trotje. Here's Dennis Potvac closing in. Could he score? Dennis Potvac! Well, it's going to take a while to get the next face off, Rob. Here's Bossy. Loose puck and Potvac grabs it. He makes a good play here, racing right in, getting good maneuverability in the slot area. Number five is Potvac, drills it low to the corner at 5.18. Watch it as Johansson goes out trying to block, but too late. Puck in the net behind Palmateer. Islanders lead it. One to nothing. But Ian Turnbull once again menaced his old junior teammate, tying the score early in the second. Neither team scored for the next 35 minutes sending the game to overtime. Where the Islanders did not do, they died, giving up a goal to Toronto's Lanny McDonald just 4-13 into the extra session. Potvin and Dave Lewis had front-row seats to the goal, as Turnbull's high flip sent the puck between the two of them and right onto McDonald's stick. He broke in on Chico Resch and scored the series clincher. The elimination was devastating. A team that earlier in the month looked prime for a Stanley Cup run was going home, having been intimidated and bullied by a lesser team. The trio grande finished with nine lousy points on four goals and five assists. Dennis Potvin's two goals and two assists were equally as lackluster. The Islanders' top four scorers, who had put up almost 400 regular season points, were rendered completely ineffective by the Leafs' tight checking and incessant aggression. The Islanders' depth players like Wayne Merrick, Lauren Henning, and Billy Harris came up empty too. The entire franchise would spend months soul-searching and coming to grips with what Newsday columnist Joe Gergen called, quote, the first backward step in the Islanders' history. Despite the heartbreak of not reaching the Stanley Cup final and watching the Montreal Canadiens win their third straight championship, the Islanders still had a regular season worth celebrating. And on June 13, 1978, several players were awarded postseason hardware. Brian Trottier, Clark Gillies, and Dennis Potvin were all named first-team All-Stars. 21-year-old Mike Bossy was the runaway winner for the Calder Trophy as NHL Rookie of the Year. And Dennis Potvin, just 24, won his second Norris Trophy as the NHL's best defenseman. His 155 points were 20 better than Boston's Brad Park, who had made a habit of coming in second for the award. He finished as runner-up eight times in 11 years. Park's one-time Bruins teammate and eight-time Norris winner, Bobby Orr, presented the 1978 Norris Trophy to Dennis Potvin at a luncheon in Montreal. Two seasons earlier, Orr had officially retired from hockey due to persistent knee issues. In accepting the award from the man to whom he had been compared since he was a teenager, Potvin joked, quote, 
I don't think any of us expected Bobby Orr to turn over this trophy so quickly or so easily. Orr cracked a smile, but the zingers showed that for all his growth that season, Potvin still had a little more to learn about reading a room. After a disappointing 76-77 season, Dennis Potvin was back on top of the NHL defensive heap in 77-78. Few could score or command a power play or control a game from the blue line like he could. He was an absolute force for the Islanders, using his newfound maturity and team-first attitude to find even more success. And the scary thing was, he hadn't even reached his final form yet. We'll watch him become that in our next episode, which will see Potvin have the best season of his career, just as long as the Islanders' owner doesn't sell him off for cash first. Please join us then. Islanders Award Winners is written, produced, and edited by Dan Saracini. Special thanks to Kevin Schultz. Visit Kevin's shop at VintageIceHockey.com where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and jerseys featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. VintageIceHockey.com also has our Al Arbor and The Island merch, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Be sure to visit LighthouseHockey.com every day and subscribe to Islanders Anxiety Podcasts. Sign up at Patreon.com slash Islanders Anxiety for even more. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Islanders Anxiety Podcasts are part of the Fans First Sports Network. To learn more, log on to fansfirstsports.com.